Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Hey, we pray with me. Father God, uh, we are grateful for your word. As Gabe said, we want to hear your words this morning. We need, we are desperate for your words this morning. Jesus, would you uh, elevate yourself? Would we see your glory in new ways through your word? God, would you give us sharp minds and soft hearts as we approach your word, that, that it would shape us and that it would draw us into worship? We need you now. God, please, would you send your spirit to us? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can grab a seat. Well, hey, it is a fun morning when we get to eat together and sing together, and now we get to hear the Word of God together. And as we've said, we are beginning uh, our series through the Psalms at the very beginning. So if you've got a Bible, go Psalm 1. That's where we're going to start. Now, most scholars believe that the first two Psalms, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, are kind of the, the introduction to the Psalms as a whole. And so Psalm 1 is going to kind of show us the, the purpose of the Psalms. Why were the Psalms written? And what we're going to see is that Psalm 1 is about instructions for a happy life, a blessed life in God. Then Psalm 2 teaches us the message of the Psalms. And we're going to get to that next week. But But this week, we're going to look at the introduction to the Psalms in Psalm 1, and we're going to see the instructions for a blessed life, what all the rest of the Psalms are going to do to push us towards God. Now, if you're looking at it, look at the the very first phrase. I'm, I'm getting this because the very first line in the Psalms is, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, when we read that phrase or we read that word, um, we can kind of be confused a little bit, I think, on just the idea of blessings, right? The idea of being blessed. Now, I don't know if you guys uh, caught that there's a craze, maybe it's like this still today on social media, but there's this craze throughout social media over the last couple years uh, where we would get the hashtag blessed, you guys do this? You see it? I know some of you guys have probably done this, right? Where basically what happens is you explain anything that happened in your life and you cap it with hashtag blessed, right? And so uh, it was kind of crazy because people would do anything. It'd be like, hey, just got a promotion, hashtag blessed. Or hey, just squatted a thousand pounds today, hashtag blessed, right? Or I got fired from my job, but guess who doesn't have to get up in the morning anymore? Hashtag blessed, right? I mean, we just, we say this about anything, right? There's a show, uh, Parks and Rec, there's a character that they highlighted this. Uh, his name was Tom Haverford, and he got into a car accident because he was driving, and he was texting four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. Okay, I mean, it's just, 
ridiculous. Let me give you one more. There's a comedian who was mocking this uh, by saying this. He tweeted out, I caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground. Hashtag blessed. Right? Now that... That might be from the Lord. That was something special. But you see how we'll use this word for, for anything. We're kind of confused on, well, what does it actually mean to be blessed? You know, the New York Times, they actually published an article a couple of years ago about this like phenomenon of hashtag blessed. Jessica Bennett, who wrote the article, she said that she was puzzled at how all of a sudden God started showing so much favor on all of her social media followers. She said that it seemed as if People wanted to just appear humble while they bragged about the good things in their life. So this is a quote from her article. She said, there's nothing quite like invoking holiness as a way to brag about your life. But calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble or fish for a compliment or acknowledge a success without sounding conceited or to purposely elicit envy. Blessed is now used to explain a coveted TED Talk invite as well as to celebrate your grandma's 91st birthday. Bennett is essentially saying this, look, if everything in life is now this divine blessing, then nothing is really a blessing, right? Like if everything's a blessing, then nothing is because it's just life, right? It's just the things that happen in life. And so I think with with that kind of being our, our cultural context, right? We, we use this word, we throw it out, but most of us honestly probably couldn't give a good definition of it. I think what's important for us this morning is to look at Psalm 1 and ask, okay, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Right? If the whole Psalms, if I'm telling you the whole Psalms are about this, about becoming a, a blessed man or woman of God, then we need to ask, what is the biblical idea of being blessed? Well, in the Hebrew, the, the original language that the Psalms were written in, the word that they use that's translated blessed, it just simply means happy, right? It carries this actual kind of like strong happiness connotation. Some of your Bible translations, depending on what you have, it, it might read, oh, how happy is the man. Or some other ones will say, fully satisfied is the man. That's kind of the, the connotation that is being carried with this term Blessed. So to be truly blessed in Psalm 1 type language is to have happiness overflowing. It is to feel satisfied at the depths of your soul. It is to feel complete and full, joyful and happy. The blessed man is the happy and satisfied man. And I think that that's good news for us this morning to read this because... At the end of the day, if you're honest about just your life, aren't we all kind of striving for happiness? Striving for satisfaction? I mean, it might drive the decisions that you make, depending on the relationships that you have, the jobs that you have, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. We're driven by this desire to be happy, to be satisfied. We're trying to cling to things that will fill us. And the Psalms say that there is a way to find that. There is a way to be completely satisfied and happy. And so, if, I mean, if that's you this morning, you want to be happy. If this summer you want to be happy and blessed and satisfied, then I think we need to look at Psalm 1 and what it teaches us to be blessed. So I think we're going to see kind of a progression as we work through this psalm. We're going to see three steps 
towards ultimate satisfaction and happiness. All right, so we're going to see three things. First, we're going to see um, how we need to be influenced by God. Then we need to see that we need to be strengthened by God. And finally, we need to be known by God. So if you look in your Bible, there's kind of two verse chunks. It's probably split up in your text. And that's what we're going to look at. Influenced by God, strengthened by God, and known by God. So look at verse 1 in Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Have you ever had a a kind of a fork in the road type moment? Maybe while you were actually literally driving or maybe just some kind of dilemma in your life where, you know what I'm talking about, this this point in your life where you either have to go one way or the other. There's two paths going in two opposite directions. I, I had a literal one like this. I was on a road trip once and we were in Oklahoma for some reason and we were driving through and uh, I was with my sister and brother-in-law and my brother-in-law, he really wanted to go to Stillwater. There was like a concert or something there that he wanted to go to. But my sister and I, we wanted to go to Norman for some reason. And so we were literally at a gas station where the interstate kind of splits and we could either go north to Stillwater or south to Norman. Now, whichever road we took, we're going in the opposite direction of the other. So you can't kind of weave and decide later. You're going in two directions. And we had to choose in that moment, which path are we going to go on? And so my sister and I did what probably all of you would do. No, we did not selflessly let him decide. We waited till he went into the bathroom, and then my sister got in the driver's seat, and we drove to Norman, and he complained the entire way. So it was great. But you see, what we did was we had to pick a path, and so we chose, okay, we're going to Norman, which then had the consequence of we can no longer choose the other path. Now, I think that's what Psalm 1 is kind of setting up here. He's setting up two paths that we can be on, two roads that we can be on, that we're going to see these two roads throughout the entire first psalm. He calls one the road that will lead to blessings, the road that will lead to being blessed, and the other that he's going to call the road of the wicked or the road of the world. And I want us to see right away that what separates the two paths is who you are being influenced by. Who you're being influenced by determines which path that you are on. Look at verse 1. He's showing the the negative, the path that you don't want to be on. And he says it's three things. You're influenced by the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers. Now he's going to say the blessed man, he avoids all those. Now, many commentators have kind of speculated, okay, what are these three things? What do these three things kind of mean? And, and some, which I think there's some truth to this, they say, well, it's just a, it's a progression of influence in your life, right? So if you see the progression, you see they're, they're walking, and then they're standing, and then finally they're sitting. So we kind of see this progression, like you're walking by, and then you're kind of standing with, and finally you're sitting in their midst. I think that's partially true, but I think there's something a little bit more to it. You see, the counsel of the wicked is speaking about how you think. It's the counsel that you're receiving, and he's saying, this is the counsel of the world. It's kind of your mind. The way of sinners, I think, is speaking more to lifestyle, right? It's just the way that you are living. It's the ways of the world that if you're with them, you begin to look 
like them. And then finally, we see the seat of scoffers. A scoffer is probably just someone who doesn't believe in God, somebody who says there is no God. And this is speaking, I think, this idea of seated with the scoffers is an identity thing. It's who you're identifying yourself with. In Jewish culture, where you sat uh, spoke to your identity. So if you were a man, you sat with men in public places. If you were rich, you sat with rich people. If you were poor, you sat with poor people. If you were children, you sat with children. It was speaking to your identity. And, And I think what the psalmist is saying is that you are now identifying yourself by how the world speaks of identity. So I think more of anything, Psalm 1 is simply saying that your entire being, the way you think, the way you live, and how you're identifying yourself is all marked by the world. It's all marked by a path that is leading away from God. And he says this is is not the path to blessing. It's not the path of the blessed man. But the other option comes in verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says this is being influenced by something completely different. He says, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And I think it's important for us to notice here that the distinction, what's setting them apart is not one person's being influenced and the other is just really creative and innovative and smart and they've kind of figured things out on their own and so you get a blessing. That's not how he sets it up. He says, Everyone is influenced by something. It's either the ways of the world or it's the ways of God. It's either the way that the world lives or it's the instruction of the Lord on how to live. I think the primary influence can either be the world or the word. It can either be the world and its lifestyle or God and his word. And so I want us just to think for a moment, reflect on what is primarily influencing me? Think about what is the primary influence in my life? Psalm 1 says you're influenced by something. Probably a thousand things are consistently influencing you, but what are you primarily influenced by? I think what often can happen is we'll We'll come to church on a Sunday, right? You guys are here, you enjoy it. You're probably here and you even kind of feel something. We sing, you hear the word of God and you feel some sort of encouragement or conviction or this desire of, man, I want to love God. I want to follow God. But then you get in your car and you go get lunch and you kind of hang out with some family or friends and, and then you're getting ready for bed and you're thinking, okay, this week I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to, I, I need to, I need to strive after God, but you know, then it's Monday, and Monday's Monday, and so instead of waking up, you hit the snooze a few more times, and so you sleep for that extra 30 minutes, and then you get to work, and you know, work's crazy, and you got more projects, and there's more conflict, and there's things going on, so you come home at night, and you're just exhausted, and so maybe you open your Bible, and maybe you read for a few minutes, but you're so distracted that it just kind of is in and out, and and then you go to bed. Tuesday, it's kind of the same thing, except that you probably think about it a little bit less. Wednesday, probably a little bit less. Wednesday night is city group night, but now life is just getting so busy middle of the week, so I don't need to go to city group. I just need some more rest. And before you know it, you're halfway through your week and the word of God has not influenced you at all. But I do have to tell you that the hours of Netflix that we watch did influence you. 
the, uh, the podcast that we've been inhaling just did influence you. The news articles you read just influenced you. The, the, your own mind that's speaking to you constantly just influenced you. The, your friends just influenced you. The radio just influenced you. Social media most definitely just influenced you. Providence, we cannot think that we can go through a week and not be influenced. You're always being influenced by something. You're always being told something. The question is, what is the primary influence in your life? So just do some diagnostic kind of questions. Just think about this. Um, let me give you a few examples. It, when you think about making financial decisions in your life, think, what is the primary influence in my life with financial decisions? Honestly, would you say, well, primarily it's my financial advisor? What he or she says, that kind of goes. Is it uh, your own kind of mind and your research and you deal with money how you think that it makes sense? Is it Dave Ramsey? Is it your debt that you feel like is making the decisions? Is it the pursuit of the American dream that feels like it's making decisions? Is it any of those or is it the way, the will, and the word of God? What's the primary influence? What about when you're deciding uh, jobs and careers? What's the primary influence in your life? Is it the, the mentor who's already climbed up the ladder and they have the spot you want to be at and so you just follow whatever they say and that goes? Is it the textbooks that you've read or the people that you look up to? Is it Elon Musk or Steve Jobs quotes that you think are inspirational and that is your primary influence? Or is it the way, the will, and the word of God? How about one more? When you're making worldview decisions, when you're thinking in your mind how the world works, what's your primary influence? Is it simply the news source that you prefer? Is that your primary influence on your worldview? Is it your own intellect, your own kind of mind, what makes sense to you? Is it your own experiences, the people that you've met, the things that you've done? Does that define all of the world and how it runs? Or is it the way the will in the word of God. Now don't hear me wrong. I don't think good financial advisors and good journalism and and things like that, I don't think that's bad. I think that's good and we should use it. That's common grace. But what I am saying is that, that if that's your primary influence in your life, you've gone off track. If the things of the world is your primary influence, Psalm 1 says you are on the wrong Path, And I will say it over and over and over again, while those things may be helpful and good, the primary influence in our life has to be the word of God. It has to be the final say. It has to be the final authority if we want to strive for this blessing. He says the person that is blessed is the one who is primarily influenced by the word of God. The law of the Lord here simply kind of could be translated that the instruction of the Lord, the will of the Lord, what he wants. Do you delight in that? Do you meditate on it? This idea of meditating is just that it's constantly on your brain. You're thinking about it. You're talking about it. You're uh, diagnosing it. You're trying to figure out what does he mean by this? Is that how you view the word? He says the first thing towards being a blessed man or woman of God is to be influenced primarily by his word. Now, if you're influenced by the word of God, he says then you move uh, towards verses what three and four are going to say, which is, is how you're strengthened. 
right? Whichever path you're on determines kind of this illustration that he gives. So look at verse three. It says, the blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water. He yields its fruit and its season. Its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked, the other path is not so. It's like chaff that the wind blows away. The psalmist here gives us two illustrations uh, that I think are helpful for us in how we think through this. He likens the, the man, uh, the blessed man, to a tree. And he likens the wicked man, the other path, to the chaff. Now, I know that we're in the middle of a city, but I'm assuming that this imagery is still helpful, right? I mean, we see it on a picture. We kind of get this, the tree and the chaff. So just, just imagine for a moment. You can close your eyes or just think about this. Think about uh, this stream of water, right? Maybe the, the rest of the land is dry, it's hot, it's like desert-like conditions, but you have this kind of flowing, clear stream. Now, right next to the stream is a tree. And in this desert wasteland, you might think that the tree is gray and dying and no leaves or anything, but this tree stands out because it's good, it's healthy, it's thriving, it's living. Just imagine the tree with a big trunk that just looks sturdy, stable, and healthy. Leaves everywhere, fruit coming off of it. And just imagine if you could gaze underneath the soil and you just see this root system that is strong and thriving. Psalm 1 says, this is the man who is influenced by the word of God. Stable, secure, thriving, healthy, fruit-bearing, and strong. This man is strengthened and grown by the word of God. Then imagine verse 4. Everyone know what chaff is? It's kind of the dry, flaky stuff on on some plants and, and crops. You know, when a farmer wants to get rid of the chaff, it's pretty easy. All they have to do is just kind of rub it together and it goes. They could hold it out and the lightest breeze blows it away. I mean, the chaff has nothing to stabilize itself with. It's flaky, it is dying, it is blowing around until eventually it is gone. Imagine just chaff. No stability. No life, no health, no ability to stay planted anywhere. If I had it in my hand, I could go, gone. Just gone. The psalmist says these are the two images of the two people on the path. The blessed man is strengthened and alive and fruit-bearing. The wicked man is being blown away by anything in the world until eventually it's gone. So again, I want you to consider for a moment, are you strengthened by the word of God or do you find yourself consistently seeking more, seeking something new, seeking something different, attempting to find joy and satisfaction and life in other places? Or or think about this, when, when the winds of trials come in your life, do you feel stable or do you feel like you're going to get blown over? When hardships come, do you feel like you're getting crushed or do you feel like you can weather 
the storm, when temptations hit you, when opposing worldviews come at you, when the enemy comes, when these winds blow, do you get swept up in them or do you stand firm, roots deep in the ground? I think Psalm 1 is saying that the, the blessed man finds blessing in the word of God because in the word of God you can stand firm. You can be secure. You can be satisfied. You can know for sure that you have truth and life. But the chaff is always looking for something new. The chaff is always looking for a joy to fill. The chaff is always getting blown around by the things of the world. And I think, again, before we move on, it's important to remember that the tree, think about this, how does a tree grow? Right? The tree doesn't grow healthy by just trying a little bit harder. It doesn't just try to push out its leaves or push its roots down. No, a tree grows by sunshine, by water supply, by good soil. A tree is only as good as the nutrients that it is supplied with and filled with. That seed that began that tree can have the utmost potential in the world, and if it is not filled with good nutrients around it, it will be nothing. So too, I think we cannot grow by simply trying to be good enough, simply trying to be smart enough, simply trying to force it in our lives. We need to grow by the Word of God supplying us, the Word of God strengthening us, the Word of God building our roots deep so that when the winds come, we can stay steady. So just think, are you strengthened by the word of God? Do you feel stable because you have the truth of God's word? Psalm 1 says that man will be influenced, and he'll be strengthened, he'll be healthy, and he will prosper. All right, let's look at the last two verses. We see that uh, there's two paths depending on who you're influenced by, and that depends on how strengthened you are. And now verses five and six reveal that we need to be known by God. We can be influenced by God, we can be strengthened by God, but we need to be known by God. Look at verse five. It says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. I love that the psalm ends by giving you the final destination of these two paths. The final end for these two people walking down these roads is either to be known by God or to perish. To either be uh, blown around in the wind of God's judgment, not being able to stand, or to be able to stand firm. The path of a blessed man who's influenced by the word of God is built up like a tree and is known by God. I think that what Psalm 1 is getting at by the very end here is that the ultimate desire that we need to strive for The ultimate blessing in this life is to be known by the Lord. The great thing about the blessed path is that the Lord is there, is that the Lord knows the person on that path. And I think after looking at this psalm over and over and over again, that the true blessing in life comes by being on the path 
that is known by God. J.I. Packer writes in his kind of famous book, Knowing God, he says it's important for us to know God, but he says there's one thing that's more important. He says this, what matters supremely, therefore, is not the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palm of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All of my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. So the reason that we can know God, the the greatness that it is to know God is simply because he knows me. He allows me to know him because he first knows me. So I think our final question at this point then should be, how can I be known by God? If this is the ultimate blessing in life, if I can be finally fully satisfied, if I can quit looking for joy and life and satisfaction in other things of the world, how can I be known by God? Well, what's interesting is that the Bible is actually full of stories of people that are seemingly good people. People doing good things. People that should probably, it seems like, be good enough, yet throughout the Bible they are condemned because God doesn't know them. We see this in the Old Testament. God's people, he says, look, I loved you, but you have run from me. So I no longer know you. The, the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day says, look, you're doing good things, but God doesn't even know you. This is most clearly shown in Matthew 7 where Jesus says there will be people, good people on the last day that come to me saying, look, Jesus, I've done things in your name. I've read your Bible. I know good things. And Jesus will say, away from me. Why? I never knew you. You see, the whole the whole pinnacle point of this is to be known by God. The way into heaven is to be known by God. The way to be with God is so that he knows you. The Bible simply says that knowing things about God, doing things for God, or being spiritual is just not good enough. It's not righteous enough. In fact, I would say this is actually kind of a a worldly way of thinking. This is kind of the counsel of the world, because if you want to be accepted by God, then do good things. Be a good person, be tolerant enough, be loving enough, and God surely will accept you. And I think many of us live out of this type of lifestyle. Well, if the word of God is supposed to be our influence, then what does the word say about us being known by God? I think one of the best pictures of this comes in John chapter 5. If we go to the New Testament in John 5, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders. And he says, look, you, you look at the scriptures because you think in them you have life. Now, for them, they're probably thinking, correct. Like, yes, I'm trying to find life. Psalm 1 says, meditate on God's word. That's what I'm doing. I'm finding life in the scriptures. But Jesus says that's not going to work. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Yet it is they that bear witness about me. And how do they bear witness about Jesus? Because all the Bible shows that the the problem with mankind is that while God created us to be known by him and to know him, says we've all wandered away. 
Psalm 14 clearly says this. It says that all have gone away. There's no one who does good, no one who is righteous, no one who is on the right path that is known by God because of sin in our life. Paul then picks this up in Romans 3 and catches. He, he quotes Psalm 14. He says, look, no one's good. Think about the two paths. You're not on the righteous path. He says, you have not done, you have not been perfect. You have not done good enough things. You have been in the counsel of the wicked. You've probably been the wicked. You haven't just sat with the scoffers. You've been the scoffer. Everyone has wandered away. But Paul goes on to say this. He says, that is why God sent one righteous man. It's because everyone was on the wrong path that God sent one man who would be righteous. One man who not only knew the Father, but was known by the Father. One man who truly did forsake the world for the ways of God. And in the greatest, most glorifying turn of events, that man, Jesus Christ, who was fully righteous, took the punishment for the unrighteous. I love Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that on the cross, even though he knew no sin, he knew no unrighteousness, he became that. Why? So that we would become the righteousness of God. The whole purpose of the gospel was to give us the righteousness needed to be on the path to be known by God. The one righteous man took the punishment of the wicked so that the wicked, us, could actually be counted righteous could actually be known by God, could actually walk with him. And so the, uh, I think the summary of Psalm 1 is, look, if, if you want to be blessed, if you want to find satisfaction and be happy, find your life in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. He says that all the scriptures, all the meditating that you do on God's word should point you to the culmination of Jesus Christ being what you could never be and giving you happiness and satisfaction in life. It is only the one who trusts in Jesus who is truly blessed and known by God. So Providence, let me end just with two quick kind of exhortations, just two things I think for us. Um, If you're in the room and and maybe as, as we're thinking through this and you're considering the two paths and you feel like, man, I don't know which path I'm on. Like, I, I know that my, a lot of my primary influencing factors are the ways of the world. I know that I feel like the chaff trying to grab onto anything to give me life. Or maybe you're here and you would say, absolutely, I don't believe in Jesus. I am on this other path. Then can I just encourage you, try out verse 2. It's the closest thing that we really have to a command here. And it's to meditate on God's word. Think about God's word. Read God's word. And so can I just ask you, would you test it? Test verse two. Just test it. For a couple weeks, would you just read through God's word? Would you meditate on God? Would you think about it? Would you talk to other people about it? And would you just see what happens in your life? Now, I'm not saying that you read God's word and and everything's going to be great and trials are going to go away and you're going to be healthy and happy, but I am saying that God will do something in you. He loves to work through his word. And if we are a people who are meditating and thinking about his word, he will point you to Jesus Christ. So would you just test it? I mean, what do you got to lose? Just try reading through God's word, thinking about it, talking to other people in this room about it.
Now second, for anyone who you would say you're a firm believer in Jesus, you want God to be, uh, you want to know God, you want him to know you, can I encourage you with verse 2, would you truly test it? Right? I mean, the call's the same. For those people who are in Jesus, would we strive to be a people of God's word? Would we test letting God truly be our primary influence? His word affecting and shaping us. Would you attempt to, to read through God's word and just ask the question, how does this text point me to Jesus? Just think through it. How does this text, he, Jesus says, all the scriptures point to me. So just meditate on how does this show me that I am a sinner in need of Jesus? Would you jump into a city group where you get to talk about these things and think about these things? Do you get into a huddle, which is a smaller group of people who are talking through God's word and what God is speaking to them? Would you ask the person sitting next to you, hey, do you want to start reading the Bible with me? Would we be a people in a church that is so influenced by God's word that we are like a sturdy tree in the middle of our city? That we are a tree that is healthy, not because we're just better than other people, but simply because God's word nourishes us, fuels us, and builds us deep. So when the things of the world come, we can stand strong. Would we be a church and a people, strengthened, influenced, and known by God? Let me pray. Father, you are so good that... um, God, you speak to us. You give us your word and you, you allow us to know it and you allow us to be led to the cross through it. God, I pray for us now that anybody who is struggling or wrestling, feeling more like chaff than a sturdy tree, more like they're getting blown around by the things of the world or by the influence of others. God, would you build them deep? Not in my words, not simply in us as a church, but in your word. Would your spirit do that now? Would you give us a desire even now? Not like other weeks where we leave and we never think about it again, God, but would you press us in deep? Would you speak to our souls to give us a desire for the river of life, God? God, we are grateful that you have made a way so that we can be known by you, intimately known by you, and in that have the the hole in our hearts, what our hearts are longing for, fully satisfied and fully happy. Would that be the best news to us? Would that be greater news than a new relationship, a new job, more money, or anything else? But would we be satisfied in you? God, we ask your help in all of this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.